You're listening to the Table Church Podcast. The Table is a community in Orville, California that aims to follow Jesus by doing what he did. Love God, love our neighbors, and serve those in need. Find us at thetablechurch.net, Instagram, or Facebook. And now for the message. We are doing a new sermon series called... Christmas at the movies. We did it back in 2018, uh, and so I gave you a few years break. But what we're doing, also, what we're doing is looking at classic movies and trying to figure out how to better understand what's going on in this time. So if you have any questions or comments, feel free to send them. I'm going to pull that up app up now in case I see anything that comes through. You can ask any questions that you have about what's going on what I'm saying, if you have any questions or answers to questions that I pose to make this as much of a dialogue as possible, uh, let me know. But we want to use classic Christmas movies to illustrate the biblical truths behind the theme of each one of these candles. Thank you. Classic Christmas movies to illustrate the biblical themes behind each one of these candles. And as you saw, and as we sang, and as the Casa Grandes helped us illustrate so well, We're talking about hope. The first candle is the candle of hope because this is a season of anticipation and expectation and waiting. We are talking about hope. And the movie I want to do this year to illustrate that, year one was Home Alone. Year two is, I want to talk about It's a Wonderful Life. A movie that I can't go the season without watching. Also two and a half hours. It's a little draggy, okay? It's a little long. My family's Every one of them is asleep by the time Clarence even shows up in this movie. But that's okay, because I like it. I was crying last night preparing these clips for you, just watching it. If you haven't seen the movie, let me give you a 30-second overview of the movie. This is George, George Bailey. He wants to be an explorer. He's got big plans for his life. He wants to head out into the world and see what's going on. And time after time, things hold him up. He, he likes this girl, and this girl likes him, Donna Reed. That's not her name in the movie. That's her name in real life. Um, but he can't, get in, he can't get emotionally engaged because he is going exploring. He is going to head out into the world. His family has a business called Bailey's Building and Loans where they build affordable houses for the poor and for immigrants in a place called Bailey Park. They make no money doing it. They're also poor. But like if I'm living my dream job, but if I could also have another dream job, it would do what they were doing. Building houses so that people could own them, have a piece of property, and uh, do it in a way that is, uh, helps them, that helps them do it. Uh, inexpensively and well. Well, anyways, the father who runs that in this scene says, hey, would you consider after you get back from college and after you get back from exploring, running the family business? And George says, no way. I got stuff to do. I want to build cities. I want to be an engineer. I want to I see the whole world. That night his dad dies. And the business... Uh, has a meeting, a board meeting, like we're having tonight. You could see he's mourning. He has a mourning band on. I wish we did, still did stuff like that. 
Um, but he's got a mourning band on because the board of the business gets together and they decide that they're going to sell it to the rich guy in town who's also the bad guy. And he's going to dissolve this whole enterprise of helping people get affordable housing. And George can't stand it. And so he says, you got to save it. And they, the board says, we'll save it if you stay and run it. He says, I'll run it for four years until my little brother comes home from college. And then I'm going to let him run it. And then I'm going to go to college. And his little brother gets off the train. And he has a wife. And you can see George's face there, realizing that his dream of exploring and being an engineer that builds cities is getting further and further and further away. That night he decides to go see that girl that he likes and he treats her horribly. If you've ever seen the movie, it's a scene of, the, I mean, it's like angry kissing. I don't know what's going on in this scene. It was a long time ago when kissing scenes were really violent. They're just like, ah! You're like, what's happening? <laughs> they're mad at each other, and they're yelling at each other, and they get married. <laughs> and they're going to go on a honeymoon, and maybe they're going to do some exploring, and they got, that's a wad of cash, and they're literally in the taxi trying to get out to their boat so they could go see the world together with the cash that was given to them for their wedding, and the stock market crashes. And there's a run on their building savings and loan, and people are trying to get all the cash they can before the bank closes. And he takes all of his honeymoon money, and he gives it out to the people of the town so they can try to save this business again. They go home to this dilapidated old house that's raining, and they make a home of it. They end up running the house-building business together. I was going to try to do this in 30 seconds, but if you think this is long, watch the movie. I'm skipping a bunch, too. This is their forgetful uncle. He's got the deposit for the day, $8,000. He accidentally leaves it in that paper, gives it to the rich bad guy of the whole movie. Everything falls apart to the point that the main character is so, has so much anxiety and so much shame and so much concern that he considers jumping off a bridge into an icy river to end his life. That's his guardian angel, Clarence, whom the other angels say has the IQ of a rabbit. So he's, a, he's trying to earn his wings. The angel jumps in the water so that if George jumps in, it's an act of saving someone. George says, I wish I was never born. The angel says, that sounds like a great end to this movie. You're already two hours into this movie before the movie even begins. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> They give him a picture of his life as if he had never been born. The city is now run by the bad guy. Everybody he knows and loves, this is his mother, is suffering and or dead. That's his brother's tombstone. He comes back, prays, asks for God's intervention, and really figures out that it was a wonderful life after all. Spoiling this movie for you. Loves his kids in a fresh way. His community shows up and they give all the money they have. They raise that $8,000 that got lost so that George doesn't go to prison for life, for embezzling. They sing Hark the Herald. The end. Yes, we made it through. Woo! Yes. I have a bunch of clips throughout the day to help us illustrate this theme of hope. I wanted to give you the opening setup where George is having the worst day of his life and people are praying for him and the angels talk so we could talk a little bit about hope 
in despair. Would you take a look? I owe everything to George Bailey. Help him, dear father. Joseph, Jesus, and Mary, help my friend, Mr. Bailey. Help my son, George, tonight. He never thinks about himself, God. That's why he's in trouble. George is a good guy. Give him a break, God. I love him, dear Lord. Watch over him tonight. Please, God. Something's the matter with Daddy. Please bring Daddy back. Hello, Joseph. Trouble? Looks like we'll have to send someone down. A lot of people asking for help for a man named George Bailey. George Bailey? Yes, tonight's his crucial night. You're right. We'll have to send someone down immediately. Whose turn is it? That's why I came to see you, sir. It's a clockmaker's turn again. Oh, Clarence hasn't got his wings yet, has he? We've passed him up right along. Because you know, sir, he's got the IQ of a rabbit. Yes, but he's got the faith of a child. Simple. Joseph, send for Clarence. You sent for me, sir? Yes, Clarence. A man down on earth needs our help. Splendid. Is he sick? No, worse. He's discouraged. At exactly 10.45 p.m. Earth time, that man will be thinking seriously of throwing away God's greatest gift. Oh, dear, dear, his life. Then I've only an hour to dress. Great graphics. <laughs> they put some, like, texture on a basketball. They're like, it's outer space. There's just moons floating. <laughs> I show you that long clip. I got a couple long clips, but I show you that long clip because worse than being sick, discouraged, the opposite of hope is despair, is discouragement. Worse, worse than illness, even in this movie, is a lack of hope. That's where we see George. That's our character. That's how the whole movie opens up as people are praying for this man who has reluctantly given his life to his community so that people can live a little bit better than they were and everything has fallen apart and he is in total despair and discouragement. The opposite of hope is this lack of optimism, this lack of trust, this lack of uh, looking for a good future. God desires hope for us, a life of hope. I don't know if you know, but Advent is the beginning of the year for the church calendar. This is the new year. I know in your world, it's November, I mean, it's January 1st, but here it's the first Sunday of Advent. And I bring that up because the first theme of Advent is hope. God wants us to start our year not with despair, not with discouragement, but hope for us. What is hope? What is biblical hope? How is it different than what we usually think about? As always, head, heart, hand, something for us to know, feel, do. What does God want us to know? Information, feel, transformation, do, action. That is the questions I ask. And the first question I ask, what does God want us to know? And it's this. The Christian hope is trust in God's unseen future. It's not optimism alone. It's not wishes. It's not 
just desires. That's how we use it. I hope we have pizza tonight. Like pizza's just going to magically appear. I hope tacos show up at my house tonight. It's trust in God's unseen future. A couple verses for you. Hebrews 11, faith is the reality of what we hope for. The proof of what we don't see. Romans 8, we were saved in hope. If we see what we hope for, that isn't hope. Who hopes for what they've already seen? But if we hope for what we don't see, we wait for it with patience. In most of the world and in the Bible, hope really is about waiting. It's about waiting. In Spanish, it's the same word. Hope and wait are the same word. For us, it means more like wish, but biblically, hope is much deeper. It's much deeper. There's a difference between Christian hope and optimism. Henry Nouwen tells us this. Optimism and hope are radically different attitudes. Optimism is the expectation that things, the weather, human relationships, the economy, the political situation will get better. Hope is trust. That God will fulfill God's promises to us in a way that leads us to true freedom. George in this movie had a lot of wishes and wants and desires and was very optimistic about getting them. Here's him as a kid telling somebody about his future. Short, just a short clip. I'm going out exploring someday. You watch. And I'm going to have a couple of harems and maybe three or four wives. Wait and see. Every man's dream. But really, this movie is, this is my longest, one of my longer clips, and then they, hopefully they're shorter after this, I can't remember. Really, this movie is about adults coming to grips with the reality of their life over and against their childhood dreams. And so here's this scene in the middle of this movie where he just leaves the bad guy's office who just offered to pay him lots and lots of money. That's the first voice you're going to hear. And he's just, and then his wife is sleeping and he's just kind of trying to figure out what is happening in his world and how he got to where he is. I cut out the, uh, the kissing scene just so, you know. We can, here, take a look at George wrestling. You wouldn't mind living in the nicest house in town, buying your wife a lot of fine clothes, going to New York on a business trip a couple of times a year, maybe Europe once in a while. I know what I'm going to do tomorrow and the next day and next year and the year after that. I'm shaking the dust of this crummy little town off my feet and I'm going to see the world. And then I'm going to build things. I'm going to build airfields. I'm going to build skyscrapers a hundred stories high. I'm going to build a bridge a mile long. What is it you want, Mary? What, you want the moon? If you do, just say the word. I'll throw a lasso around it and pull her down for you. Buffalo gal, won't you come out tonight? Won't you come out tonight? Won't you come out tonight? Buffalo gal, won't you come out tonight? Hi. Why, why in the world did you ever marry a guy like me? What do you keep from being an old maid? You could have married Sam Wainwright and anybody else in town. No, I didn't want to marry anybody else in town. I want my baby to look like you. I didn't even have a honeymoon. I promised you. You what? My baby. You're, 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 Mary, you, you on the nest? 
George Bailey Lasso Stork. Lasso's a stork? What do you... Do you mean... You, you, what, do you, what is it, a boy or a girl? Mm-hmm. Now you've probably already guessed that George never leaves Bedford Falls. No. Mary had her baby, a boy. Then she had another one, a girl. Day after day, she worked away remaking the old Granville house into a home. Night after night, George came back late from the office. Like I said, this movie is about adults coming to grips with the reality of their lives. Which is why it's so poignant. It's like you sometimes you have these hopes and dreams as a kid, and then your life is what it is, good, bad, or ugly, and you're coming to grips with it as an adult, and that's what you're watching as a man having an existential crisis about how he ended up where he ended up. And kids are the greatest blessing of all time. But man, there's nothing like kids to really just cement your space and place in the world. You know what I mean? Like, whatever dreams you thought you were going to have, just put them in that drawer and just <laughs> shut it. I keep telling myself, when they go to college, maybe I'll go back to college. That ain't going to happen. George never leaves bed for false, it tells us. And he works late in a job that he didn't really want. And that banister knob is like this epitome of just how he feels about the whole world. His life didn't turn out the way he wanted. But at the pinnacle of it, when he's being shown what it would be like if he had never been born and he's seeing the grave of his brother, Clarence points out to him quickly, 10 seconds, says... You see, George, you really had a wonderful life. Don't you see what a mistake it would be to throw it away? I mean, that's what he's coming to learn. And this is part of what I think hope does for us is helps us have trust and faith into the future that God's leading us into because things may not work out the way that we want them to. Our wants and desires and our optimisms and our wishes, that's not the same thing as hope. Hope is about trusting God to lead us into the good future that he wants for us and trusting that it will be good even if it's not what we desire, even if it's not what we wished for. This is part of what Jesus tells us when he talks about dying to ourselves, is letting go of our wishes for our future and anchoring our life into the hope of God as he takes us into God's own good future for us. What are we supposed to feel in this? What does the biblical theme of hope have to do with feelings? Hope, the Bible wants us to know, triumphs, over shame. One of my favorite passages about hope comes from Romans chapter 5. It just builds and builds and builds. It says, we boast in the hope of God's glory. Not only that, we take pride in our problems because we know that problems produce endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope doesn't disappoint. Hope doesn't put us to shame because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit has been given to us. George was so discouraged that he wanted everything to end. 
He was so ashamed of having failed his family and his community by his uncle losing that money that he was willing to go to the furthest possible point to just make it all end. And then God intervenes through this dumb-as-a-rabbit angel. But I wanted you to see about shame, the thing that George is trying to avoid and how when God intervenes, it changes our perspective on shame and the things that we're running from. Take a look at George. Clarence! Clarence! Help me, Clarence! Get me back! Get me back! I don't care what happens to me! Get me back to my wife and kids! Help me, Clarence, please! Please! I want to live again. I want to live again. I want to live again. Please, God, let me live again. Hey, George! George! You all right? Mr. Bank Examiner? How Mr. Bailey, there's a deficit. I know, $8,000. George, I've got a little paper. I'll bet it's a warrant for my arrest. Isn't it wonderful? I'm going to jail. Merry Christmas. Reporters, where's Mary? (laughs) When God intervenes, answers his prayer, he has a different relationship to the things that he was running from. He's no longer running from them. He's literally running to them. By the way, that scene when he's running, sometimes I think it'd be romantic to have snow at Christmas. And then I see snow places, and I'm like, that looks miserable. I'm so glad we live here. The very thing that brought him fear and shame and aloneness to the point that he was willing to take the most drastic measures to avoid it, he now rushes toward it, embraces it gladly. I'm going to prison. Isn't it wonderful? 8000 bucks. Take me away now. Let me just hug my kids one more time. There's a way in which when God intervenes and renews our hope, it transforms our relationship to shame and that we are now able to triumph over it. God's hope does not put us to shame, Romans 5 tells us. God's hope, as I said, will not put us to shame because God's future is good. As long as we have hope that God is with us, which he is, it will transform the way that we approach the things that are scary and shameful and cause us to feel lots of loneliness. What are we supposed to do with hope? And based on this movie, the Bible tells us that hope in Jesus, when you hope in Jesus, it will give you strength. Hope in Jesus to give you strength. There's a passage in the Old Testament back in Isaiah that says, don't you know and haven't you heard the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He doesn't grow tired or weary. His understanding is beyond human reach, giving power to the tired. I need some of that right now. And reviving the exhausted, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength because God doesn't get tired. When we place our hope in God, we can be renewed in strength. Fly up on wings like eagles. Run and not be tired. They will walk and not be weary. <clears throat> Hopelessness, despair, discouragement, putting our hope in the wrong things. These, these things can all be deadly. They can lead to a sense of dying, 
to a sense of weakness, to a sense of loss of self. This is uh, George talking about wishing he'd never been born. This is kind of in the middle of this movie. Oh, this isn't going to be so easy. Yeah, so you still think killing yourself would make everyone feel happier, eh? Oh, I don't know. I guess you're right. I suppose it'd been better if I'd never been born at all. What'd you say? I said I wish I'd never been born. Oh, you mustn't say things like that. You... Wait a minute. Wait a minute, that's an idea. What do you think? Yeah, that'll do it. All right. You've got your wish. You've never been bored. That's it. The door opens. No one knows who he is. That kind of hopelessness, that level of hopelessness feels like dying. It feels like weakness. The Bible wants to encourage us that hope renews our strength. I bring this book up a couple times a year just because it was so profound to me. This is Viktor Frankl. He went through the Nazi concentration camps, but he was a psychologist. He was a brilliant psychologist, and he went through the concentration camps, lost lots of his family, dear, close members of his family. And when he got out, he wrote this book called Man's Search for Meaning, where he talks about his experience and the things that he thinks were helpful for going through something so hard. And one of the most profound kind of thoughts for me in this was he writes, they, the prisoners, died less from a lack of food or medicine than from a lack of hope, a lack of something to live for. A lack of hope feels like dying. It feels like weakness. It feels like drudgery and God says that when we put our hope in the Lord we can be renewed we strengthened we can be revived giving up hope on others and ourselves and our marriages and our grades and our jobs all this leads to a death of sorts but hope in the Lord gives us strength one more clip for us it's just George running once his hope has been renewed, he runs. Listen to him. Bedford Falls! Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas, George! Merry Christmas, Movie Hollows! Merry Christmas, Emporium! Merry Christmas, you wonderful old building alone! in jail go on home they're waiting for you everything that he despised or hated or resented even his job wonderful building alone he's now refreshed he has even the bad guy he just wishes a merry christmas can't wait he has just in the 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 renewing of his hope after his prayer i want to live god answering this prayer supernaturally bringing him back to his own timeline i don't know maybe he's the first multi-dimensional superhero here, but bringing him back to his own timeline with his own family, his hope is renewed, and he's literally running through the snow. Again, changed my mind about snow. That seems miserable. 
And that's how impactful that is for me. He's just been through hell and back, and he is revived, strengthened after praying to the Lord. He's refreshed in hope. He runs. Christians always begin the year. This is the beginning of our year with an emphasis on hope because hope in Christ gives us strength for a new season, for the next season that Jesus wants for us. Hebrews 6, 19 says, Hope, which is a safe and secure anchor for our whole being. When we anchor our life into the hope of Christ, we'll be refreshed and renewed entering into this next season. And with that, I'm done. Is there any questions or comments about anything that was said? Somebody asked, can I leave my candles burning all week long? If you don't know, I left these candles burning all week long one year. And it, uh, <laughs> was it last year? And um, the answer is apparently yes. They did burn the whole week, but I don't recommend it at all. Somebody had another question. Thank you. Someone is feeling hopeless. What is the first step? If I'm basing it on this movie and those passages that we just read, uh, George's hopelessness leads him to feel alone and to feel shame. And I always would encourage someone who's feeling a lack of hope to uh, find community. I just think community is going to be a very helpful step, not isolating because that compounds our shame and despair, but find some people, particularly Jesus's people who are able to embody and speak life. Obviously, drawing close to Jesus would be helpful too. But I think a very practical step is being close to some people and not isolating. Great question about if someone's feeling hopeless, what's the first step? That would be mine. Don't isolate. And with that, let's wrap it up. Conclusion. God's desire for you is hope. That's why we begin the year this way. Hope, hope, hope. What God wants you to know is that it's not blind optimism. It's not wishes and wants. It's trust. It's trust in God's good future. That when we hope that we can have the faith that God's hope will not put us to shame. It will help us overcome shame and fear and loneliness. And what do we do with it? As we hope in Christ, we can expect to be revived, to be refreshed, to be strengthened. That's our encouragement, is to hope in Christ for renewed strength. Would you pray with me as we head into a time of communion? Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for these passages, for your word that give us hope, encourage us to hope, clarify hope for us. Would you help us to be people that are hopeful? Anchored in you, a hope that does not disappoint, that does not let us down, a sure footing and foundation for us. Thank you for this movie that helps illustrate what hope looks like and how it can help us overcome shame, how it can help us be revived and renewed when we come to you with sincere expectation that you're going to help us and give hope to us. Father, we give you this season, laying down our wants and wishes and desires 
And as we enter into it in a holy way, would you help us to enter into it in a hopeful way? Hope that is grounded in you, that is about expectation and anticipation, about seeing you more clearly, and about trusting you for the future that you have for us, having the faith that it is good. Help us, help us to hold on to that kind of hope as we enter into a new, oftentimes stressful and busy season. And we will give you praise and thanks and say these things in Jesus' name, amen. Table Church, will you help me end that prayer by saying the Lord's Prayer, saying, Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.